months earlier, Peter Strzok. Remember, he and his lover, Lisa Page. What a group. <laughs> She's going to win. 10 million to one, she's gonna win, I'm telling you, Peter. I'm telling you, Peter, she's gonna win, Peter. Oh, I love you so much. I love you, Peter. I love you too, Lisa. Lisa, I love you. Lisa, Lisa. Oh God, I love you, Lisa. Oh man. So let's. <laughs> so that is why Lisa Page gave an interview over the weekend for the first time to the Daily Beast, and she's on the Twitter. According to her, mm-hmm. she said, um, "Honestly, his demeaning fake orgasm was really the straw that broke the camel's back." The president called out her name as he acted out an orgasm in front of thousands of people at the Minneapolis rally. In Lisa, Lisa, oh God, I love you, Lisa. I didn't really take that as acting out an orgasm. Uh, No, neither did I. If those are your orgasms, I'm sorry. (laughs) You're doing it wrong. Yeah. You got to step up your game. Why didn't she give her first interview to the Daily Beast? Because they're liberals. Hmm. Do we have any understanding if if monetary exchanges were made for her interview? Always a chance. Because I think the Daily Beast is, I think they're in that game. Anyway, so. Yeah, these are odd times. Look, she was out of line. She and then Strzok and the rest of it. And I trust this Durham guy to get to the bottom of it who's doing that uh, criminal investigation. And so I'm not that worried about that. I feel like uh, some serious people are looking into it. I'm not sure we need the president of the United States mocking her from the stage, honestly. <laughs> She's still, a, you know, he's oh, the most boy. powerful man on earth. She's a gal with a uh, husband still and kids and the rest of it. But mm. anyway, strange times. The Democratic primary has winnowed down to just 16 candidates with dropping out of uh, Joe Sestak has dropped out over the weekend. What? Yes. Why? And Steve Bullock. When did he drop in? <laughs> exactly. So Joe those are, Sestak. Those are your updates on there. And we're still at 16. There's still 16 people running with those two getting out. So that's where we are. I seriously don't know who Joe Sestak is. I seriously Andrew Gillum, don't know either. the former mayor of Tallahassee, wants to know who he is. And I care so little, I will not Google it. Because I, I don't care. Mo- whatever right whatever Google tells me, I'm not going to care. Um, right. And then somebody sent us this picture and said, did you see Joe Biden nibbling on his wife's finger? Yes. I didn't see that video. Somebody sent the still picture. It looks really weird and creepy. Does it look less weird and creepy when it's in? No. That's just... No, that's an accurate representation. Well, of what it just—it looks—it looks like two people who are about to get it on, which is odd in that she was on a stage giving a speech in front of a crowd. Was she like gesturing, and he just stuck her finger in his mouth, or I—I I don't know exactly. It was like a uh... point, and it—it's. It seemed like the playful sort of things that couples do, but not necessarily on stage during a presidential campaign. And and while I, you know, you, it's great that you're still doing that in your 70s, it's weirder even then. Yeah, I don't want to see, see it. Yeah. yeah. I apologize yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah, well. Or even if, even if it was in like a weird press scrum after the event, it would have had a different feel that, than on stage I'm during so, her speech. I'm looking at the picture now, the still picture. That is a very strange picture. <laughs> Oh, man. That that floating around in the various places. Trump will put that with other stuff in an ad if they're running against each other. Well, a week and a half (laughs) ago. He's a finger eater. (laughs) 
the last the last full show. <laughs> all right, all right. Well worth yeah. revisiting. We'll see. You see, you do a, you do the hairy legs and the razor thing, and then you show the picture of him with his wife's finger in his mouth, and you just say, "This guy." And that's your ad. <laughs> well, yeah, run those three clips, and then does anybody have any idea what he's talking about? <laughs> Donald Trump, 2020. Right. Oh, boy. Well, I remember the last full show I did, I think, before my surgery was uh, when we talked to Lon Hee Chen, and he said in his entire career he has never seen a more unsettled race at this point. Oh, yeah. But well, that's definitely true. We shall see. Uh, speaking of the surgery, it occurs to me just uh, that I, I called in, what was it, like Tuesday of last week um, and gave a brief description of what was going on. Uh, but very briefly, just because I think folks might find this interesting, um, long story short, I have ridiculous arthritis runs through my family. I've gotten my second hip replaced, even though I'm young, athletic, and virile. Um, and... Uh, it, but it was done at a outpatient surgery center, uh, not a hospital, a place that exists purely to have surgeries done it, in it, gleaming, squeaky clean, new, efficient. The level of patient attention was mind-bogglingly good. It was like, you know, I was going to say the best hotel you've ever stayed in, but I can't afford to stay in hotels that are so good that you get this sort Dang, of attention. None of the hotels I go to cut my leg off. <laughs> I, I grant you that. Um, but so anyway, it's it's good, and uh, it, it, the surgery went great. The recovery is, um, it, it takes a lot of patience. It's pretty damned uncomfortable, and I was kind of weird and sick for a couple of days. Just got a message from my doctor. I think I'm going to go see him. But uh, bouncing back quite beautifully. But I am on the uh, hydrocodone. Uh, hydrocodone. It's a generic for Norco, and I just took one, um, what, 12 minutes ago, and I'm really glad because I was really, uh, no, I, I guess it was an hour and 12 minutes ago. Time is starting to bend, and Jack, you have <laughs> four arms. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. I'm really glad I did because I really needed it, but uh, we started to talk about this earlier. It is striking um, how willing everybody is to give you more and more powerful drugs. Even when, you know, instead of uh, taking, you know, uh, the pain, uh, there was too much pain um, during like the third day after surgery, which is pretty typical because this anesthetic they put into the joint wears off. Right. Um, and, and so it was, it was pretty crazy painful. And um, the suggestion was, well, instead of one of the Norco, take two of them. Um, but I said, well, how's about um, instead... I just take one of them, and then like half of the time later before the next dose, I take um, some ibuprofen or some Tylenol or whatever. They're like, yeah, that would work too. Um, and so I just, I, I think we're we're not where we need to be in terms of pain management right. as a country. Right. Well, there's money to be made in you taking it. And, uh, and then I also understand that if patients ever say, I was in pain, and you give the doctor or... Or the 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 you know the hospital or whatever lower rating for that that hurts them, right? So yeah, they have an incentive to make sure nobody's ever in any discomfort whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got that feeling. But we really and you know it's crazy that we can't work through this fairly quickly. If you had a, a panel of like five patients and five doctors, we could probably come up with some pretty solid policies in I don't know two full work days. Um, but for some reason, with all the lobbyists involved and the insurance companies and 
and all. It, well, we ought to be at a better place than we are. Well, and a lot of it, according to that doctor in the New York Times, is just this national attitude that is a new thing, that you should never be in pain ever. That That's just not the way human beings are designed. No, no, indeed. It's an impossibility. But uh, speaking of pain and needing medical care and, and that sort of thing, we have a guest coming up in a yep. moment or two that we really need to talk to. Um, and it all has to do with the fabulous folks at Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, um, who we want to send home for the holidays and help with the recovery and, and a dozen other things. Yeah, if you still don't get what this is all about as we raise a little money this week, and we, we only do this one time a week where we ask you for money. One time um, a year. Yeah. One time a year. Uh, one time a week. Um, uh, we don't do this very much, but if you still don't get what Warrior Foundation is, you're going to know here in just a little bit. Stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Now that Sestak has dropped out of the race, who will his support go to? We'll get into that next hour. But first, we're raising money for... That's a joke. We're raising money for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station this week. Well, what is that? Thought we'd uh, bring you up to speed on that. A lot of you have been listening for a long time. You absolutely know. And you've donated generously over the years. Uh, Is Joe with us? Or not? Okay. Didn't know that. Uh, No problem. Uh, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. So... Uh, we're going to try to raise a half million dollars this week. That's a pretty uh, aggressive goal. Last year we got about four fifteen, I think it was, which was pretty impressive then. But uh, so we've added a, a fair amount. You go to armstrongandgetty.com to donate, and we'd love you to do that. But to get an idea of what Warrior Foundation Freedom Station is all about, we've asked Junior Rodriguez to come back and join us. Junior, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Yeah. How are you guys? Oh, we're great, and it's always good to talk to you. Junior, explain for people who don't know, um, maybe completely new to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. What are they all about, and what did they do for you? Tell us your story. Warrior Foundation Freedom Station is a uh, local uh, nonprofit organization that helps wounded, injured, and ill service members. Uh, I actually got involved with Warrior Foundation when I was actually a patient at uh, the Naval Medical uh, the Medical Naval Medical Center in San Diego uh, after. Uh, in 2012, uh, I I was a patient there for two and a half years. After two and injuries, a half years. Uh, yes. So I spent uh, I spent two Christmases up at the hospital, which can be kind of depressing. I'll bet. And uh, I had an amazing group of people that came and uh, brought joy to us by uh, decorating the barracks. And uh, un- 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 unbeknownst to myself, I later... Uh, Ended up meeting uh, Judy Sexton and Sandy Lemkuler, our founder and our COO, and uh, they completely changed my life forever. I mean, this organization is uh, is volunteer based. Uh, we have one one played employee who's our president, and everybody else does this for the love of joy. So it's an amazing group of people that 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 take care of uh, and mean what they say. Hey, uh, Junior, Joe Getty back on the line here. Um, and listen, I'm not sure if you guys dove into this real quickly. I was a little late getting back as I'm using a walker right now. But um, if you don't mind a little of your history, uh, you did 10 combat tours, 13 total tours, yeah. got right. hit with an IED in, uh, during which you lost a number of your brothers, from what I understand, which is a terrible thing. 
Uh, you suffered a broken back, broken neck, and and your recovery has been a, a a hell of a deal. I know you. You're not a complainer, but man, it's been a hell of a mountain to climb, hasn't it? It has. It's uh, physical wounds all uh, healed, but um, mental wounds uh, stuck for a while. Um, I actually had uh, a suicide attempt, um, and uh, after my recovery from my suicide attempt, uh, kind of came came twofold and uh, kind of found a purpose uh, through Warrior Foundation. I, I can honestly say if I hadn't found uh, Judy and Sandy, I probably wouldn't be here. Um, they took me by the hip and uh, it took me everywhere they went. They introduced me to a lot of people and uh, and they uh, linked me up with uh, the Wolfpack Wheelchair Basketball Program. And uh, it's been a marriage ever since. Um, when you meet guys that have uh, that are single, double, triple amputees, missing eyes, missing fingers, uh, kind of puts your life in perspective. And uh, when I saw what those guys were doing, and uh, you know, those are truly my my heroes and my uh, my saviors. Um, it, it changed my life forever. Yeah, we talk about this every year, and people who are uh, who've been through these experiences know it. You can't talk to those of us who haven't been there. It just, it just, it, it's just too hard to do. I know I have a brother who's been in combat, and he doesn't talk to anybody about it other than other soldiers who have been in the same situation. You need, you need your, your brothers and sisters who have been there around you to help you heal, and that's something you get with Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. You do. It's a, it's a, it's a small organization, but it's, it's powerful. I mean, we reach people from other states. We've helped uh, we've helped veterans out from come back that needed uh, to redo their prosthetics. We've uh, unfortunately, cancer is very big right now. It is it is hitting our 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 service members now, and we fly families that that to uh, service members that can't travel. We uh, it's a homegrown based uh, organization. I mean. The volunteers that run this organization, from the president to our founder to to all our board members, know know all the service members that they help, and not very many organizations can say that. It's a it's a home organization. It's uh, it's family, and the the men and women that run this organization, they truly do care about the uh, mission statement, and they truly care about what they do, and and it shows. We're talking to Junior Rodriguez, retired Navy corpsman who uh, has been helped so much by Warrior Foundation Freedom Station and is turning around and, and doing his best to help uh, his fellow men and women in uniform, which is a really, really cool thing. But uh, it's no exaggeration, Junior, that, that Warrior Foundation Freedom Station saves lives and saves lots of them. It does. I mean, it saved my life. I honestly wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. And uh, I know that it saved a lot of my brothers and sisters' lives. I mean, um, they've given me the opportunity to pay it back and pay it forward, and uh, I, I'm able to to help out veterans that would be lost. I mean, when you suffer from invincible wounds, when you suffer from mental anguish, it's not something that we really talk about. It's not something that we really discuss. So it takes one to know one, if it kind of makes sense. And um, I've been blessed that uh, they've given me the opportunity and afforded me the uh, the uh, opportunity to uh, 
to help others. Um, they saved my life, and I know they've saved many of my brother's lives, and I know that they wouldn't be here without their help. Well, you know, Jack made reference to how it's really difficult for non-combat veterans to understand what you've gone through. And, and those of us who love this country and understand the sacrifices you've made, we think, well, what can we do? I mean, at the moment of your greatest need, we as patriots want to be there. What can we do? Well, the answer is this. This is what we can do. This is how we can have these guys' backs at their moment of greatest need by giving to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station right now at our Armstrongandgetty.com as generously as you can, whether it's twenty bucks or twenty thousand bucks, you will never regret it for a second. Junior Rodriguez, thanks for your time today. Thanks for telling your story, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Well, thank you guys for your time, and thank you for everything you do, and thank oh, you man. for all the listeners out there that help. It really it's makes le- a difference, and I mean it's that. It's the least we can do, dude. We appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, it's easy to say you support the troops. It's nice that you say to people, "Thanks for your service." Give some money. Go to armstrongandgetty.com, armstrongandgetty.com. It's really easy and fast, too. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? President Trump on backing the Hong Kong protesters. Republicans ready to fight impeachment all the way. And one grand tradition, millennials aren't killing off. Well, thank goodness, because millennials are killing off all the great traditions. Yeah, can we still have Christmas? Can I still kiss my wife and tell her I love her millennials? Or have you ruined that as well? Mayonnaise, <laughs> bedspreads, all the great things in life. Oh. Killed off by <laughs> Restaurants. <laughs> I ate so much. Over the last four or five days, just, like, no self-control whatsoever. Like a dog, really. <laughs> you know, I uh, I had that two-day period where I could barely eat and barely even drink water. As something weird was going on with my liver or my digestive system or both or something. But I came out of that as ravenous as a lion. <laughs> and I can't think about anything but eating now all the time. Awesome. And I figure if I can manage this and eat like, say, a smallish lion, um, I'll, I'll end up ahead and having lost a couple of pounds. So what's your food of choice when you're ravenously hungry? I'll tell you what, man. Uh, Judy and I have been low carbon, no sugar in it, and stuff like that, really trying I to eat healthy. I giant pizza. Uh, I have been eating pizza. <laughs> I have been my go-to Jelly toast. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Speaking oh, my, my language. God. <laughs> jelly toast. Yeah, oh, so good. Butter and jelly. Oh yeah. You doing a strawberry or raspberry? You, you got grape jelly. <laughs> what are you? What are you working with? I've gone with the blackberry, Sean. Ooh, yeah. Nice. I don't mean to come off as fancy, but I do enjoy the blackberry. Mm. It's funny. We had toast and jelly last night at dinner, and. Uh, a couple of our jellies had turned on us. Oh, no. Oh. Ooh, it does happen. It does happen. Boy, turned to jelly is about as gross as anything that exists. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, and I'm not asking for the county you live in or anything like that, but was jelly toast the main dish? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we were kind of... Everybody was just sick of what we'd been eating. I mean, we'd been eating oh, the, yeah. the full Thanksgiving meal, like five meals in a row. We just wanted something way different than that. <laughs> um, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump is saying signing the bill to support Hong Kong protesters does not make it easier to negotiate a trade deal with China. Well, it doesn't make them better, but we'll see what happens. Speaking with reporters at the White House before he left for London, Trump said the Chinese are always negotiating, and he's very happy at where they are currently. Now, last week, the president approved legislation backing the protesters in Hong Kong 
to certify that the region will retain autonomy. And the bill also threatens sanctions for human rights violations. After he did that, people in Hong Kong turned out in mass, waving American flags, thanking President Trump very publicly for signing off on that legislation. Well, yeah, he had to, and it's the right thing to do. But what a weird thing to do is he's trying to negotiate with Xi. Yeah, oh, yeah. What are you going to do? It's practically impossible. Yeah. Yeah, Beijing's retaliated by suspending U.S. Navy visits to Hong Kong and sanctioning some pro-democracy, yeah, non-governmental organizations. China had to be watching Iran and saying, now that's the way you do it right there. Yeah. That's just, a crackdown. You just yeah. roll in and you shoot all the protesters. You don't even say a word. They just showed up to the protesters and shot them all. Anybody yeah. else got anything else to say? Didn't think so. And then they leave. That's you know, you I tell it. you what, I don't mean to come off as a little kid who wants, uh, you know, every day to be sunny, but... It, the the Chinese thing right now, our relationship with the uh, Chinese, trying to figure out how it ought to go forward, trade-wise, international relations-wise, militarily, the rest of it, is so big and so complex and so interesting. I wish we could drop the partisan nonsense and just communicate honestly with each other and 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 come to certain points of agreement democrats and republicans about trade for instance i mean that's in everybody's interest and there actually is a great deal of uh, agreement on that no matter what you hear from the morons of the mainstream media but it is such an enormous challenge i wish we could come together as a nation cuz this one's going to be tough the house intelligence committee's impeachment report on president trump's going to be revealed behind closed doors for key legislators today Democrats pushing ahead despite the White House uh, declaration it will not participate in the first uh, hearing by the Judiciary Committee on Wednesday. Meanwhile, California Congressman Tom McClintock, who is on the judiciary, says he doesn't think Trump did anything wrong during his phone call with the president of Ukraine. Well, he didn't use the delicate language of diplomacy in that conversation. That's true. Uh, He also doesn't use the smarmy talk of politicians. Uh, What you hear from Donald J. Trump is the blunt talk of a Manhattan businessman. He says what he means. He means what he says. Uh, uh, that's the only thing that's remarkable about that conversation. But he was entirely within his constitutional authority and was following the statute that Congress adopted uh, in granting aid to the Ukraine. Trump says what he means, and he means what he says. He often says things none of us have any idea what he means. And he got, like, panels on every channel trying to figure out what he meant. (laughs) Well, that reminds me of the whole war on Thanksgiving narrative that was hot for about half a day. When he was darkly hinting at one of his speeches that there were those trying to take Thanksgiving away from us. Mm. Nobody was 100% sure what he meant. (laughs) Oh, man, a major, major gun battle between police and a drug cartel in northern Mexico. Security forces say he had four police officers, 14 suspected cartel gunmen, and two civilians killed in the hours-long shootout Saturday near the U.S. border. Six more officers were wounded. A gunfight happening at midday Saturday when a group of heavily armed men riding in pickup trucks battled with police in a small town about 40 miles south of the Texas border. Now, the mainstream media numbskulls have no interest in this story, just as they're ignoring a lot of the China stuff we were discussing. Uh, I would like to maybe get Ian Bremmer on the phone. I want to talk to him about what the significance of having a failed narco state on our southern border would be, because it is it is moving in that direction. And it's scary. The the government's authority is less and less secure and it's secure and less and less of the country. And if 
we have a, a crumbling government and a narco state, the export of violence, drugs, chaos, bad actors, refugees, etc., it'll make our past crises with Mexico look like nothing. But nobody's paying attention to it. On another note, my friends, be prepared to pay more for a fresh-cut Christmas tree this year. The U.S. has experienced a 33% drop in Christmas tree production since 1977. They're blaming droughts. I'm Jimmy Carter. They're blaming, <laughs> they're blaming droughts, wildfires, and past economic conditions, which forced a lot of the Christmas tree farmers to get out of the business, and mm. now they're still trying to come back. But there has been a recent spike in fresh Christmas tree sales. The increase in the sales due to millennials. Even with the rising prices, the age group of adults 38 to 23, 23 to 38 it should be, still prefer a fresh tree over artificial, and they're buying lots of them. So millennials like real trees. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That weird, uh, the, the 70s were a weird time. Uh, speaking of Jimmy Carter, and the artificial trees and stuff like that, polyester clothes, right. fake <laughs> butter, everything was phony in yeah. the 70s. The the carbon footprint of a fake tree is often much larger than that of a, a oh, tree that no you get from doubt. a Christmas tree farm. There's no doubt that that right. giant hunk of plastic <laughs> right. does more to harm the earth long term than and a real tree. Christmas tree farms are often small-time family businesses, sure. not giant Chinese conglomerates that are just shipping you different plastics and but stuff. But seriously, the 70s, yeah. fake clothing materials, right. right? fake Christmas trees, fake butter. What was going on there? All sorts of fake foods, yeah. It was the uh, the dawn of the, like, the, the, the what they call them, those weird, they were spawned by NASA, those weird sticks. They were like protein bars, but they were sticks. Do you remember those? <laughs> what were they called? So, was it kind of a science has conquered everything, so we, have, we can create right. something better than cotton, something better than butter, something better than a real tree? Right, yeah. Yeah, the hubris of the modern man. A lot of cocaine going on in the 70s, <laughs> the right? Plastic was <laughs> huge. And waterbeds. Don't forget waterbeds. Water oh, another mistake. <laughs> yes. And mustaches. <laughs> oh, that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. See, I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. The um uh, the polyester pants reminds me we watched Nacho Libre over the weekend. I'd never seen that movie. With <laughs> How'd you Bl- like it? With Jack, we loved it. The kids loved it. It was a great family movie. We all watched it together and laughed nonstop. Oh, good. <laughs> cool. You ought to watch uh, watch The Irishman with your kids next. <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> that's oh, good stuff. Yeah. If you like a good stomping. A good street corner executing. Well, and then, and then old men talking quietly, really slow for like a half hour at a time. Oh, too. kids Holy love that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. You know, we were talking about this earlier. If you're just tuning in, the Irishman, the Martin Scorsese, and De Niro, and and what's his name, uh, Joe Pesci, and Harvey Keitel. The, the latest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Al Pacino. And I actually thought latest. Ray Romano was the best in the whole thing. I really, he, really, really liked him. He was pretty good. Uh, you know, it was uh, the band back together playing its greatest hits. It was fine. Well, you know, the, according to the Smarty Pants movie reviewers, the point of the movie was for you to kind of be over the whole thing. That um, Scorsese kind of feels like maybe he had glorified the whole thing too much, and he kind of wants it to make s- it seem sad and pointless and and cheap and, and shallow. It did. And, and it did. But yeah. that doesn't make for a good movie experience. <laughs> yeah, you end, you end it tired and ashamed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe, well, I kept thinking, why did I ever like these in the past? Well, that's kind of what he was going for, and it worked. Okay, well, that's successful art, then, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Well, uh, well, yeah, because the titular character, can I say titular on the air? Uh, De Niro's character. Nice the, uh, titular. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Irishman in question was just a morally reprehensible dope. Yeah, it's not like in the. I find that relatable. Like in (laughs) some of the other Scorsese movies, or The Sopranos was good at this, making you root for awful people. They didn't make you root for anybody in this movie. You just thought, oh, God, they're horrible. I hope they die. (laughs) I hope they die or are arrested. Because they're terrible people. I'd say, you know, if you you like those movies we're talking about uh, with uh, De Niro and and company, watch this one. You'll enjoy it. But I'm not sure I'll go back to it. Block off a whole day. It's very long. Uh, We're going to finish strong with a Warrior Foundation Freedom Station update, among other things, coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We need to do a uh, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station update and tell you more about that as it is Freedom Station Week. But we were just talking about, Joe and I both watched The Irishman over the weekend. and um, Oh, it's a charming story about a, a leprechaun who sees a rainbow and he chases it to the end. But instead of a pot of gold, he finds a 38 slug right in his forehead. But aside from the uh, the movie itself, just the subject matter, because we were talking about this some last week with um, uh, November 22nd was the anniversary of JFK being shot and was it the mafia and the mob and just all that sort of stuff. And the Teamsters and how powerful the Teamsters were through the 50s, 60s and 70s, how mobbed up they were, how much the Kennedys were going after that whole crowd and how much they all hated each other. Um, that's some really interesting history. Yeah, the historical stuff I found really compelling. You're right. That's a good point. Um, you know, they, they for uh, dramatic narrative purposes, they made some leaps. It was just written that, well, we know who killed Jimmy Hoffa and why and where well, and that what guy, happened to his body. Yeah, that guy claims he, he knows and nobody, you know, who's going to tell him he's wrong? Right, the, right. The, the, the De Niro character. Um, and it was more or less stated the mob had uh, uh, John F. Kennedy killed. Yeah, well, um, I, I know I know for a fact from reading the LBJ books that that was Robert Kennedy's, uh, bro- JFK's brother Robert Kennedy. His first thought was they got him. It was the, he thought it was the mob. Mm. That was his first thing he thought. Yeah. And, and, and why wouldn't he? He lived with death threats his whole life from the mob, tied in completely with the Teamsters as he was going after Jimmy Hoffa. What an interesting period of history. You know, we had so much corruption at that time. So much more than we have now, I hope. Um, it's evolved. We're, we seem to be more concerned about it now, more than, than we were then, but there's much less of it. You know, is that whole, it's the 50s, and everything is good and honest and wholesome and everything. There was so much corruption going on. Oh, yeah. Absolutely loathsome people were running the show behind the scenes. I, again, I think it's, it's different loathsome people doing different things in different ways, but where there is money and power, there are loathsome people, guaranteed. Uh, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, what is it? Well, it helps our, uh, our, our, our soldiers, our warriors, in various stages of recovery, rehabilita- rehabilitation, and a transition to civilian life. That's what they do. They're really good at it. You're going to hear a lot about it this week. And we want to raise $500,000 this week. That's a very ambitious goal uh, for any radio sh- station or any radio show in America 
to raise that kind of money. That's very ambitious, but I think we can do it. Yeah, you know, one of the real eye-opening things for both Jack and me when we first became acquainted with Warrior Foundation, Freedom Station, is how much the military does not do for our guys and how much the VA does not do. Um, I mean, for instance, you got these Marines. They got their feet blown off or a foot blown off, but they've still got to fall out. They've still got to line up and, and report for duty and the rest of it. Well, how can they get shoes on, tied boots on over their prosthetics? It's practically impossible. Well, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station had custom made that came up with this idea of these zip-up boots that passed you know, regulations and everything like that. So they jump in with stuff like that and helping people with PTS, traumatic brain injury, guys who are years into rehabbing and surgeries, the rest of it. They are there. We are there. We, the people, are there with these guys when they need us the most. Armstrongandgetty.com to donate. Let's do a quick update of where we are. Drum roll, please. We are currently at $19,651. It has begun. Yeah, not bad. We started a couple of hours ago telling you about this, and we're already at $20,000, and it builds throughout the week. At least it has in the past. I hope it does this year because we're shooting for $500,000, and there's a lot of people counting on going home for Christmas on that money. If you're a podcaster and you're stealing from us, this is how you pay us back. You donate <laughs> by going to armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, probably a dollar uh, an hour that you've listened to over the last 10 years. So that'd be fair. <laughs> That's oh, reasonable. And, and listen, Jack, I'm glad you brought that up, the idea of sending our warriors home for the holidays. That's one of the things they do is uh, the guys who are getting operation after operation, they're rehabbing, they're trying desperately to get healthy, whatever. Um, we fly them home to be with mom and dad. For the holidays, which is so incredibly healing, not only for the guys, but for mom and dad and sister and brother and the rest of it. You know, we'll, we'll talk about it more as the week goes on, but it is absolutely tear jerking stuff. Instead of being there lonely in the hospital on Christmas Day, they're home in the bed uh, they grew up in. Hi, uh, this is Corn Pop. When I'm not trying to get my razor rusty in a rain barrel, I listen to Final Thoughts. With Armstrong and Getty. Here's your host for Final Thoughts. He's back, Joe Getty. I have hairy legs, by the way, just for the record. Uh, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There he is, our esteemed newsman, Marshall Phillips. Well, as far as the Warrior Foundation Freedom Station goes, do what I do every year. Donate in the name of a family member or a friend who served in the military. Once again this year, I'm donating in memory of my dad, Army Major Ed Phillips. Fantastic, Marsh. How about producer Positive Sean? Final thought? Yes, with the uh, the fabulous Thanksgiving and my birthday this uh, within the past five days had a, had a lot of good stuff going on. But my official rankings of my my time off was was uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, you got the uh, the the Knives Out movie that was phenomenal, and then a, a coconut oil massage. Fantastic! You got a coconut oil massage? Yeah. If you smell coconut, I apologize. Wow. It was hard to get off. Wow, sexy. Uh, you gonna suck on somebody's fingers on camera now? Uh, or, bring bring uh, on them stage over here, like Joe. Joe Biden. <laughs> hey, uh, Michelangelo, pressing the buttons. Final thought. All right. Instead of buying an electric razor to shave your hairy legs, use a disposable razor and take that money you saved and donate it to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. That's an excellent hint. Jack, do you have a final thought you'd like to share? Yeah, if it's been a good year for you financially, the stock market, etc., yeah, peel off a little bit of that for uh, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Just a little bit of it. It's a, you know, the world's been good to you. The Trump economy's been good to you. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, my final thought is it's great to be back uh, with the show. Uh, I needed the week off, but uh, back, healing, etc. Thanks, everybody, for your well wishes and 
and uh, I really appreciated that more than you know. Uh, but yeah, give as generously as you can to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, four-star charity navigator charity. I mean, they are up at the highest, highest, highest rating, doing the best work for the greatest Americans. You want to serve your country? Maybe you haven't worn the uniform. Maybe you have. Give generously. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, like I keep saying, it's nice to say I support the troops. How about you actually support the troops with some money? Yep. Let's do that. Armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people who thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com to give to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Our podcasts are there, whatever you need. A lot of good clicks, too. Uh, lots of people with funny texts I don't have time for. Maybe tomorrow. We will see you then. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say what that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. Armstrong and Getty.